This episode is sponsored by Simply Earth Essential Oils. I use essential oils when I do hot yoga because the smell, it gets me in my zen. I love to use essential oils in my humidifier, especially during these dry winter months. Aromatherapy, it just creates positive vibes, you know? All of Simply Earth's essential oil recipes are tried and tested by in-house certified aromatherapists. Simply Earth's essential oils are 100% pure and come from the best farms all over the world. They are also GC and MS tested by a third party to ensure purity. As an added bonus, Simply Earth gives 13% of their profits to help end human trafficking. So not only will your house smell amazing, you'll also be helping to reduce human trafficking. The essential oils alone would cost over $100 from other companies, but with the Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box, you get four pure oils, six recipes, and extra ingredients for only $39. And when you subscribe, you get a free big bonus box with even more natural goodies. As well as a free $20 gift card for subscribing using our code simplyearth.com forward slash FDS. That's simplyearth.com forward slash FDS. Hey, queens, are you ready to level up? Then join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy, where you can find weekly bonus content and FDS commentary on all the latest pop culture, relationship, and dating news. If you just want to listen to the extra bonus content, we have the Lurker Mode tier on our Patreon. If you want merchandise, access to the private FDS Patreon Discord, which also includes a monthly book club with FDS and feminist-themed books, as well as FDS merchandise, t-shirts, mugs, and the opportunity to discuss topics with the FDS Podcast Queens live as well as submit stories for our Rose Disco Queen and Gnosis discussions on the podcast itself. So if you'd like access to all this and more, visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. This week, we're talking about Billie Eilish versus the porn industry and the fallout from her comments that she made on the Howard Stern show. She made some comments that were very a, a very personal account about how porn has affected her mentally, emotionally, physically, and her relationships, especially the young age in which she was exposed to porn. And we're going to discuss her comments as well as the reaction from our now... Uh, Sparring partners on Twitter, sex work Twitter. (laughs) Social media, uh, sex work Twitter, who are just a different, yeah, different sparring ground. But first, to what Billie Eilish was saying. So what Eilish said in the interview was, I used to watch a lot of porn, to be honest. I started watching porn when I was like 11. Uh, I think it really destroyed my brain. And I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. So Eilish also admitted that she began watching more and more graphic types of pornography, which warped her ideas about sex and relationships. It got to a point where I couldn't watch anything else unless it was violent. I didn't think I was attractive, she confessed. I was a virgin. I had never done anything. And so it led to problems. The first few times I had sex, I was not saying no to things that were not good. It was because I thought that's what I was supposed to be attracted to. The singer then told Stern that she began watching abusive BDSM porn, which she says causes her to now suffer from night terrors and sleep paralysis. I am so angry that porn is so loved, Eilish blasted. And I'm so angry at myself for thinking that it was okay. Eilish also slammed the porn industry for creating unrealistic expectations of women's bodies. The way that vaginas look in porn is fucking crazy. She commented, no vaginas look like that. Women's bodies don't look like that. We don't come like that. Uh, Brad Salzman, founder of the New York Sexual Addiction Center, said it's not unusual for children to first begin watching online porn at the age of 11. It's actually the norm, said Salzman, who has treated young men suffering from sex and porn addiction. Many of them are in their early 20s, not much older than Eilish herself. Parents aren't paying attention and porn exposure can affect them for the rest of the lives, Salzman said. It totally colors their perception of what normal sexuality is supposed to look like, and it changes the way they think that they're supposed to interact. They can begin seeing other people as sex objects as opposed to human beings. Yeah. So there's a lot more to this article, and they and they talk to a lot more uh, experts and people who work with people with sexual addictions and porn addiction. And uh, overwhelmingly across the board, a lot of them are saying that this is this is in no way harmless. <laughs> Obviously not to children, but even uh, can be very, very harmful to adults. I want to say, first of all, like, 
What she described was almost exactly my early teen years. I saw porn for the first time, I think, when I was 12, but I didn't start watching it regularly until I was 14. I remember th thinking, like, this is weird and gross <laughs> when I was, like, 12 and not really understanding it. And then once I got a boyfriend and he was showing it to me and then thinking, oh, like, this is... Like what she said, I was when I started having sex, I wasn't saying no to things that I should have said no to. And, you know, porn is used as a grooming thing. Like men use this to groom women into being like, see, these are totally normal sex acts and you should totally do this for me. And if you don't, you're a prude kind of thing. And when you're a young woman and you don't have your boundaries figured out and you don't really have enough like experience with men to realize that a lot of them are fucking scumbags, it can be hard. Honestly, I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's like, but I relate so much to her. I remember being on AOL chat rooms when I was a preteen and grown men sending me porn through AOL chat rooms. And that's how I actually started to look at porn. I was never really super into it. I think at that age, I was more or less curious. And then also comparing myself to how the women looked in porn and wanting to like be attractive. But I never, I can't really describe why I never fully bought the pornified culture that I feel like was going on at the time, even though I feel like all of my peers did. I think some of that too was just like my heavily religious upbringing. And it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to be sexy and I didn't want to feel attracted to men. I just sort of distinctly realized like, I don't know how to explain it, but I sort of realized a lot of the stuff they were asking was beneath my dignity. And then I just didn't like them like that. Like, I was just like, I don't really, I don't really like you like that. Or I just, I mean, you're talking to scumbags on the internet. Like I was talking to like boys in my class that I liked. No, no, I mean like real boys too. I meant real boys too. Sorry. I, I maybe okay. I didn't make that clear. So, um, let me actually clarify that. So the way I actually got exposed to porn the first time was through like AOL chat rooms with, with grown men or whatever. I would just type in there like, hey, 11F, you know, <laughs> in the AOL chat. 11F? Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> You're pedo bait, girl. <laughs> I know. Uh, or I would lie about my age or say I was like 15 or 14. God. I actually got exposed to porn via AOL chat rooms and then like men via AOL chat rooms would direct message me and like spam me porn. So that's actually how I started getting exposed to porn. You want to know the first porn I saw actually? It was actually Two Girls One Cup. Oh my God. <laughs> Cause it, oh my cause God. Because it, it came out in 2007, right? It was it was like going viral. Everyone was sharing it. And I remember seeing this and thinking like, oh, this is a joke, right? Like nobody actually like enjoys looking at this, right? <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> I am determined to go to my grave and never see that video. I refuse to see that video. Yeah, it traumatized me. I've never seen it and I won't watch it. Yeah. I won't watch it. And everyone was sending and if I cut a whiff that it might be a link to Two Girls, One Cup, I straight up didn't open the email or any yeah. anybody who tried to send it to me. So yeah, no, I was, I was first exposed to porn, like I said, through AOL chat rooms. Later on, when porn culture really took over and like all the girls who were considered hot at school or all the girls who were considered hot, you know, um, in mainstream media were really taking on the porn aesthetic. I wanted to kind of look hot. So I would more or less imitate things that guys thought were sexy. Right. And so sometimes I would try to look like them thinking like, oh, I want to like wear the body, <laughs> body glitter was in that. <laughs> Like wear the body glitter and like the belly chains and all the kind of cute stuff that really came out of like the porn aesthetic. Yeah, I'm going to put on my low rise jeans and my tube yeah. top. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the early 2000s. What a, what a crazy time. What a time. <laughs> but yeah, to be fair, it's, that was, act you know, also Destiny's Child was wearing that eventually. So it was Britney. And so the porn yeah. aesthetic stopped just being porn aesthetic and started just being mainstream beauty aesthetic but i feel yeah, yeah it, that, i don't know if that's as much of a transference today but i know distinctly in the early 2000s like the hot aesthetic was deliberately this aesthetic that was coming from porn and i know um that was detailed in the documentary hot girls wanted mm -hmm. with what's her name again sorry with uh rashida jones yeah with rashida jones so yeah it, tv and pop stars and a lot of the popular pop culture aesthetic was very pornified. But when it came to like actual sex, because I delayed having actual sex because of my, at the time, like religious values, I would sometimes, I would sometimes like sext with guys or like sex chat, chat with them via instant messenger, AOL instant messenger. Um, but otherwise I didn't really get into that because of the religious thing, but also because I, I think I just had this instinct that like these guys weren't that great even the ones that i liked to be like doing all this shit for them 
I just sort of, I don't know, I don't know where that came from. And maybe that's the thing to unpack, but I, it's kind of sad now for me to hear from my peers that felt like really, really pressured to do this stuff. Cause I, at times felt like they would try to pressure me to do this stuff, but I'd be like, well, guys are just forever trying to get in their pants and they're going to say whatever. So it didn't bother. It didn't like force me to try to do anything that I was necessarily uncomfortable with. Okay, well, that's good for you, Ro. I'm very happy for you that you didn't feel pressure to do things that you didn't want to do. But a lot of girls out there do feel pressure to do things they don't want to do. And that's the fucking shitty thing about porn. I agree. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how did the messaging go from this is just porn and that's just porn to this is what you have to do and be as a girl? And where did that come from? The only way I can kind of piece it together is because of pop culture, like pop culture adopting the porn aesthetic in addition no, it was to... The, it was the introduction of internet porn. I saw a really great thread on Twitter. Um, she talked about Marshall McLuhan, who's this Canadian thinker. He said that the medium is the message. Porn used to be a physical thing that you had to go to a store and like it would be, you know, at the back of the store behind like curtains or it'd be like covered up in magazines and stuff. And so it was a physical thing that was hidden and it the medium... The medium is the message, meaning that like the medium in which you consume something affects the message itself. And so in this case, like consuming porn, when it's like hidden, it's tucked away at the back of the store. It's like, this is shameful. This is not normal. This is something you should hide. Whereas now we have internet porn where it's like just one click away. You know, it's the same browser that you use to check your emails or do a spreadsheet or whatever. Right. And so the introduction or the um, blowing up of internet porn is what resulted in the normalization of it. It's no longer saying, oh, this is something dirty that you should hide. I guess the question I was trying to unpack is to figure out like when and why and how it became this is no longer a dirty thing to girls have to be doing this. Yeah, that's what I mean. It it went from something hidden behind a curtain to something that was ubiquitous, one click away online. And I think that shift in medium has, maybe not is the only thing explaining it, but it's one of the factors. Maybe I'm trying to dig a little bit deeper here, but can you explain like how, because to me, when I saw porn and understood porn, and it could be because of, again, religious upbringing and my parents talking, I actually got caught watching porn once. That's a whole other discussion, but I uh, know <laughs> I was way too young. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a very awkward conversation with my mom. I'm, um. I'm laughing. I'm laughing just because like something similar happened in my family, and we were super religious. So I remember how that went. It was like a record scratch moment. You want to know the fucked up thing? My parents gave me unlimited access to the internet. They did not have any like parental controls from the age of like 13 onwards. I had like complete unfettered access to anything I wanted on the internet, and I saw so much fucked up shit. I had like no adult supervision in my teen years. Okay, I'm actually kind of like pissed off. I actually wish my parents gave enough of a shit about me to get mad at. I wish my parents gave enough of a shit about me to be mad at me for watching porn. If that makes sense. Well, see, I I had internet restrictions and I still access porn. So that's kind of the problem is that even even with my mom's really like strict scoldings about internet usage, um, I was still on AOL chat rooms chatting with grown men. They were still sending me porn. They were still like, because, you know, when you're that age, you're still curious. So you figure out a way to bypass those things anyway. And the more your parents say it's it's bad for you or it's not anything to do you figure out a way around it and my mom actually mm-hmm. caught my mom found like my brother's porno stash and he had like dvds and like a way more expensive porno stash Jeez. she found it one time when she was just she said she prayed on it and god told her to clean my brother's room for him and she found all this porn <laughs> so she claims to this day that like god gave her this divine inspiration to clean out her house it's a whole thing, but um, she but she found out my brother's porn stash. But I guess the question I'm I'm trying to get at more specifically is like how 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 did it come to be that you can have different experiences with porn or like what was the logical leap from thinking oh porn is dirty, porn is for a certain type of girl or a certain type of guy, porn is not something you're supposed to be doing in real life. To I have to do all this porno shit. It could have been parenting, but at the same time, it could have been just like different media consumption, right? Only reason I'm going into it is I feel like it'd be really good for parents as well as women who are maybe young listening to us who are understanding like how their media consumption can start to influence them. Yeah. Or even if it's just the guys in your class doing this shit. Yeah. When I was a teenager, I read a lot of Lib Femme women's magazines and stuff. Um, 
you know, I got like a subscription to like Teen Vogue when I was like 12. Aha! Okay. (laughs) So that's part of it. So I didn't read that shit. So that's why I think that liberal feminism is actually part of the problem and not just the porn industry is because I wasn't reading that shit. And my mom straight up would never let me like subscribe to those magazines. And I didn't understand why at the time, but now as an adult, I understand a little bit more is because they're pushing like certain ideas as empowering and feminist, et cetera, that actually can be really, really harmful. Now she did it out of a religious reason, but when we talk about liberal feminism and how, how kids are making the leap from, porn is something that's either for adults or porn is really like harmful or porn is really not to, not to like shame people or whatever, but porn is for a certain type of person. You know, porn is like a a dirty thing for certain types of people. And then making that leap to porn is empowering. Porn is something that you should emulate in your life. Porn is going to help your relationship. It seems like it really was to be that liberal feminism was the vehicle by which porn was disseminated into the public. The thing with Teen Vogue is it never, the, Uh, magazines that I read, they didn't really talk about porn or porn being like something that's like a good thing. What they did talk about was like things to be attractive to how to be attractive to boys. Like look at all these hairstyles so you can be pretty for boys. Look at all these ways of doing makeup so you can be pretty for boys. Like girls magazines. I mean, the reason why they make it is like, I guess there's like a demand, like girls want to be seen as attractive to boys. But yeah, like these magazines do reinforce the idea that, or a young girl should like change things or do something to her appearance and to her um, behavior to, you know, attract men and boys, right? It just just sets that sort of like the onus on the woman to be sexually appealing to boys. The porn industry creates these disgustingly misogynistic sexual products. And women's magazines create like a passive, like, person that they can act those fantasies on to. Mainstream media for teen girls tries to repackage the porn aesthetic as sexually attractive or sexually empowering. Um, and then also explicitly tries to talk about pornified sex as empowerment. And then the marriage of those two things created the culture that we have now. Pretty much. Yeah. And I have mentioned this before in podcasts and in Twitter spaces, how the education that boys get and the education that girls get is very different. Like the boys, they grow up watching the, you know, hardcore porn where there's no talk about consent. There's no talk about safe words or anything like that. The women's magazines, the lib femme narratives, they're all about like, well, if you communicate with your partner and if you, you know, stuff about safe words and like boundaries and like, but it's really like soft shit. It's, it's, it's not about like being ruthless or having firm boundaries. It's more about like, coaching girls into like passive acquiescence of whatever the boys want. I think they're actually coaching active acquiescence as well, because we've roasted a couple of articles on here that were either really, really bad relationship advice. There's been a ton of articles linked on Reddit to like Glamour and Elle and other women's magazines that really explicitly said that. Mm-hmm. As well as New York Times, even if you want, even if you want to avoid specifically women's media, New York Times also has like feminist scholars that, t- that are very, very pro BDSM talking about BDSM, talking about porn as some kind of uh, medium w- in which women are finding empowerment. So the entire mainstream media, to me, conspired to push porn as an avenue of empowerment for girls. That's coming from both academia as well as like. Uh, or more like pop culture magazines, as well as like our run-of-the-mill quote-unquote sex educators from all these people that get sex education certifications from these diploma mills. So the entire mainstream media created that culture. So it actually, interestingly, it actually goes back a lot further than even just the past like 10 or 20 years, like what we're talking about. This whole conversation reminds me a lot of chapter three of Right Wing Women by Andrea Dworkin, where she talks about abortion, um, but not just abortion. Um, She also talks about how you know, we live in a culture where that sets up, you know, legally, you know, in the media, in the culture, in social norms and everything, this idea that sex is a service that women should provide to men. And on the right, they see it as like, oh, it's a, it's a marital duty. On the left, they, do, they kind of like do this weird psyop where they're like, sex is empowering, you know, women, women enjoy sex, free love, like that kind of stuff. Right. And how, um, like men on the left in the 60s basically only supported abortion because they thought that it would be a way to get an easy fuck from women. Like that women basically uh, at the time, the only way that they could say no or refuse sex was, well, I don't want to get pregnant kind of thing, right? 
And so leftist men at the time thought, okay, well, if we get abortion, then we can have, you know, free access to free sexual access to women without fear of repercussions. We'll take away the only like reason why she's allowed to say no kind of thing. Right. There's a quote that's like, even so-called women's magazines, uh, you know, conspire to sort of brainwash women basically into thinking that there's something wrong with you if, if you're not like uh, horny all the time and not constantly interested in sex with men or with multiple, basically coaching women into increased um, frequency of sex, increased extreme sex acts, and more variety of sex acts and things like orgies and stuff like that. Um, and coaching women into being like, yeah, like, don't be like your prudish mothers who were conservative and miserable. Like the only way to be a free liberated woman is to go out and have a bunch of unprotected sex with a ton of men kind of thing, which of course the leftist men loved. Right. <laughs> so I think it's crazy to me that every generation it's like feminists have to reinvent the wheel, right? Like this is something that our mother's generation went through and we're going through it again, you know, now, except now it's worse because of the internet and yeah, I, this is definitely a topic for further study. I want to see, I want, I need to read more about, you know, how this went down in the 60s and 70s and how we can maybe have a different outcome this time, hopefully. Well, I'm hoping because of the internet and FDS's growth that there's clearly an audience out there for us and an audience out there for porn critical feminism, which has been completely and totally ignored, if not outright derided by mainstream media. Also notice how like older feminists are always demonized as like, you know, uh, bad, evil, other turfs, whatever, right? Like they're, they're always, or they're swerfs, you know, I find in general, the demonization of older women is like a deliberate tactic to cut off young women from knowledge of past generations. Even Sarah Didem, she's a pretty prominent writer for the independent, the guardian spectator. She was actually pretty, she was actually responsible for getting Gail Dines deplatformed or um, uninvited to several uh, sex-positive really? feminist events. Yes. And she's changed her mind. Why? She used to be like a, a sex-positive pro-porn feminist. She actually changed her mind. Jesus. Like literally just type in Sarah Didem versus Gail Dines. So it looks like... Um, it says, uh, why I changed my mind about porn. This is an article from Sarah Didem. It says, a few years ago, I argued against the idea that porn was hijacking our sexuality. Now, as a woman's center tries to ban my opponent, I wonder, are they scared that if people listen to Gail Dines, their minds might be changed too? So I am Sarah Didem, the feminist. I do not hate Gail Dines. So I was a little taken aback to see the statement on a comment thread. I knew where it had come from. However, four years ago, Dines and I took part in a debate titled, Is Porn Hijacking Our Sexuality? Dines, a veteran anti-porn feminist, argued for yes, and I put the case for no. In the end, I got the impression that we'd both slightly wrong-footed each other. I didn't use the insinuations of sexlessness and prudery she anticipated, and her argument contained all of the economic and ethical subtlety I'd foolishly assumed it would lack. The debate dragged out for over a year, then collapsed unsatisfyingly. I wrote a grumpy blog post about it, which led lots of people, most of them, it has to be said men, to declare me the winner. I didn't exactly feel like a winner, however. I knew there were parts of the argument I fudged, especially and shamefully around the racism and sexism that are embedded in the grammar pornography. So the article continues, and we'll leave it in the notes. But yeah, she's an example of a person who started out as like a vehemently pro-porn feminist, and as she kind of got older and got exposed to Gail Dine's arguments, started to exist with more, started to respect it with more nuances. How dare this bitch disrespect our queen, okay? Like, even <laughs> if she's changed her mind since then, I'm like, I don't know, I'm not a very forgiving person. Like, once someone d fucks up or does something harmful in the past, I don't know, I'm of the view that it takes more than an apology. It takes, like, you know, active efforts to, like, make amends and undo the wrongs of your of your past. I think like just being like, oh, sorry, I was wrong. I don't, that's not good enough to me. I, I interacted with Sarah Dynam on Twitter before and I didn't know this about her. And so I'm kind of like, kind of pissed off now. She suggested some of her just views on porn and sex positive feminism over the years. Um, it seems like she has become more radical feminist leaning as she's gotten older. So yeah, there was a couple of instances where Gail Dines was deplatformed or uninvited to, to public discussions. One of them was a screening of Pornland organized by the group Decording Porn was supposed to take place at the Women's Community Center of Central Texas, Austin. It never happened because the community center canceled the booking uh, on the depressing grounds that it would violate a quote-unquote safe space. I roll. We had some folks here in the Austin communities say they were deeply uncomfortable with Dine's work. 
uh, our staff had not been aware of Dine's history of anti-sex worker rhetoric, and we were grateful to be educated. So literally, they're deplatforming any type of porn critical thought, even within women's centers and women's spaces. And it's coming from feminists because they're always painting porn criticism or even sex work criticism as anti-sex or anti-sex worker. I'm so fucking sick of these liberal feminists being attack dogs for men, for men's penis wants. Like, and I find it's a very, very clever trick on capitalism's part to be like, oh, if you criticize this industry, it must mean you hate the the workers, right? Like if I, if I am criticizing, say, the, the fossil fuel industry and I want more regulations to, you know, preserve the climate and stuff, and people were like, oh, so you just hate oil rig workers then, right? Like that would be stupid. Nobody says that. Yeah, nobody says that. Exactly. In fact, like if if fossil fuel companies were evil geniuses, which they are, I'm surprised they haven't used this tactic already of like having commercials <laughs> of like, look at this poor, like, you know, the the like sad music in the back of all the Sheryl Crow, like animal, <laughs> animal rights ads being like, uh, in the arms of an angel <laughs> with like a poor, sad oil rigged worker from Alberta being like, look at this man. His name is Kyle. He's been out of work for the past year because the oil industry hasn't been doing so good. Support our lo- local oil rig workers. And if you don't, su- you know, if you are against uh, fossil fuels, it means you hate these poor, innocent victims of I don't know. You know what I mean, right? Like, it's just so fucking manipulative. Yeah. They'll frame it like uh, you're trying to destroy jobs. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, or you're trying to destroy jobs. This is going to affect jobs if you put any regulations on our industry. And it's like, well, couldn't you just make more jobs making sure you follow the regulations, right? Like, there's always quality control people. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, if your industry would be destroyed by more regulation, that's a good sign that it's a shitty industry that shouldn't exist. Yeah. Like when they were introducing like anti-child labor laws, yeah, there were a ton of people being like, oh my gosh, do you just want all these children to be unemployed and unable to feed themselves? Like, uh, no, it means that we need to, you know, we need to create a society in which children are not reliant on child labor to survive. You know, we need to have a better, uh, you know, better social programs and so on, better regulations so that companies can't exploit children. Same thing for sex workers, right? Like, we shouldn't live in a world where women have to rely on selling their bodies to make ends meet. Well, while we're on the topic of making better sexual choices, let's talk about safe sex and the all-important necessity of getting regularly tested for STDs. 51% of people don't get tested because they don't want to bring up sex or STDs in discussions with their healthcare providers. Thanks to our sponsor, Let's Get Checked, you're covered. Let's Get Checked is an at-home testing company which is easy and confidential to take an STD test from the comfort of your own home without the awkwardness or unease of visiting a clinic or a healthcare professional. So here's how Let's Get Checked works. You simply go to their site, order a sexual health testing kit and it arrives at your door in a small discreet package. From there you do a small finger prick and send the sample back to their lab with their prepaid shipping label. And in two to five days, you'll get your results and a Let's Get Check nurse will be available to discuss your results with you if you'd like their feedback. So navigate to letsgetchecked.com and enter your order and enter the code strategy exclamation point. That's letsgetchecked.com with code strategy exclamation point for 30% off. So thanks so much for our sponsors. Let's Get Checked and back to the show. So to tie together our previous threads here and then jump into the response from Sex Work Twitter... Porn culture exploded because of the internet. It was aided and abetted by liberal feminists, both them painting it as empowering, them having the dominant rhetoric in popular magazines as well as mainstream media, and also deplatforming unilaterally, even within women's spaces, any type of feminist who is critical of porn, including our beloved clean Gail Dines, mm-hmm. who we have now replatformed. <laughs> and we'll continue to platform. I'm gonna platform Gail Dines even more now. I want her back on the show for the third yeah. time, okay? Like <laughs> amplify her voice. When you read how she was treated for saying entirely reasonable things, it actually really does make your blood boil because I'm like, this this should have always been part of the feminist conversation. I understand why men don't want yeah. women to hear this kind of thing, but I am kind of pissed off at all of the pro sex work 
feminists and pro sex posi feminists who decided it wasn't like safe to be critical of the porn industry. How dare you threaten our safe space? Oh my God. Like shut the fuck up. I rule. God. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, honestly, it, it does. It's infuriating because now we have the situation where you have generations of girls being groomed by this, including Billie Eilish and um, also Lilith. And like I said, I think the difference between Lilith and I and the messaging we got was literally liberal feminism yeah. because I wasn't in, immersed in that. I still had the perception that porn was something other and that it wasn't something that I had to do. But if I had been immersed in liberal feminist culture at that time, I probably would have really, really like bought into it. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's also what Billie Eilish was saying, where she was like, she doesn't like how everyone's encouraging people to consume this product that was so obviously harmful for her. And part of that's coming from academic feminists as well as sex work Twitter. (sighs) Take it away, Savannah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready to hear Savannah's roast. So I got into a bit of a kerfuffle with sex work Twitter because I like rather mindlessly wrote this. I, I basically said, you know, why am I not surprised that the only people complaining and having a meltdown over what Billie Eilish said was basically sex work Twitter? you know, it did the rounds and I started to get sex workers piling in saying, well, it's not the responsibility of sex workers to essentially make sure that children don't see their porn. I found that so disingenuous because it's sex workers that advertise on sites like Instagram, on sites like Reddit, on TikTok, on Twitter, that allow minors on the site. So you are advertising on a platform where you know there's minors but then you're saying that it's the responsibility of parents, first and foremost. Secondly, um, so in the UK, they tried to pass legislation that would mean you would only be able to access a porn site if you had a credit card, basically so people over the age of 18. And the porn industry railed against that as well. So when we tried to introduce measures to make it harder for children to access porn on the internet, they didn't like that either. They They opposed opposed it. it. And I'm starting to get, with sex work Twitter, I'm starting to lose my patience with them because it's easy to think that they're all innocent victims of the patriarchy who are just trying to make their way. But I actually reject the idea. It's perfectly possible to be a victim of the patriarchy, as all women are, but also make decisions that perpetuate and enable the patriarchy to continue. And choice sex workers are one of these people. Because I was looking at statistics in in Africa, the number of of women who who are into sex work voluntarily is a lot lower than in countries like the US, where they have things like social security, where women have generally have more options. So it's like this isn't a case of oh, I'm do you know, I'm into porn because I've got no other choice for a lot of these sex workers. They made a choice to go into sex work and this is why they stringently defend that choice when they are challenged on it. I'm not referring to women who are trafficked or, or forced into it. That's what I'm referring to. But most of these sex work Twitters, they know what they're doing is seedy. They know that their material is exposed to children and they just don't give a fuck. Case in point, I actually had a back and forth... I don't know. I asked a question to Buck Angel, who's um, like a porn star, uh, famously known as the man with the pussy. He's supposed to question like, uh, it's called adult entertainment for a reason. And I responded, uh, being the dork that I am, I was like, hi, Buck, question for you. Do you support laws that would make it harder for minors to access pornography, such as banning porn on websites that minors can access? and introducing strict age verification laws. Um, He didn't respond to me, but he did respond to another reply to... So someone replied to my reply, and then he replied to that reply. So the sort of indirect answer that I got was, oh, we have this like sort of credit card system for certain wet porn websites. And yeah, there's always creeps on all these, you know, websites advertising to minors. And I'm like, okay, in my head, I'm thinking like, First of all, that's a non-answer. You didn't answer whether you support the laws or not. But I know I was being a little facetious when I asked the question because I know what the answer is going to be. Most porn producers or porn stars do not support age verification laws because they're like, oh, it'll be harder for me to make an income. Good. Honestly, like if you are okay with children having access to porn because you think that you can make more money that way, you are a bad person. Okay. It's very simple. Like you're a selfish person. You know, if you are fine with grooming children into the porn industry so that you can make more money, you're complicit. I just think it's really fucked up that sex work Twitter is blaming like a literal child for accessing porn. They're like, oh, you were underage. Why were you looking at porn? And the reason why we need these laws is because 
it's a, this is a societal problem. It's not a solution to put it on the individual or, or their parents. This needs to be regulated at the uh, societal level because, you know, what about kids that don't have parents who give a shit about them, right? What about kids without parents, right? So we need to make more of an effort to protect children from this kind of content, even the ones that aren't lucky enough to have parents who care about and them. I, I was getting really annoyed with the reaction, not just on Twitter, but also on places like Reddit, where the first reaction that sex worker has was, oh, is it going to affect my income? Oh, what about me? And just going after Billie Eilish, even though she was speaking about her own experience, for some reason, um, like, <laughs> like social media sex workers, they're the most easily triggered group of people I've ever seen, right? So, and they were just attacking her, even though she herself is still, in many states, considered a minor. They just thought it was appropriate to attack her for speaking her truth. And I was actually quite glad to see porn stars getting ratioed on Twitter for trying to clap back. Because yeah. <laughs> everyone could see, you know, what Billie Eilish was saying. I don't know how anybody can listen to what she said and then make her out to be the problem for speaking her truth, when actually the problem is that the porn industry is being exposed to children, you know, when they're super, super young. That's the real problem here. And and also none of these porn stars have any vested interest in addressing that problem because companies like MindGeek, who own all um, like the major porn companies, they have a vested interest in getting children addicted to porn at a very young age, because everyone knows, even drug dealers know this, a young customer is a loyal customer. That's what they say. McDonald's does the same thing, actually. This is like a very, and people say, oh, like I, I posted this on Twitter and someone replied like, oh, there's no covert conspiracy to, you know, corrupt the youth of America or something like that. And it's not covert. It's actually yeah. very overt. It's like explicitly. Yeah, it's overt. They're doing it on purpose. They're doing this yeah. on purpose. Like this is explicitly a big part of McDonald's marketing strategy. You know, the whole Happy Meals with toys and stuff. The purpose of this is to get kids hooked on fast food from a young age so that they become loyal customers. And even I, I, my parents gave me a lot of McDonald's when I was a kid. Again, I wish they didn't. But even as an adult, if I go into a McDonald's, I have this weird like nostalgia feeling. It makes me feel kind of like, you know, warm and like comforted and reminds me of my childhood and stuff. And it's like, ah, like I'm fucking pissed off that I fell for their marketing, right? Like <laughs> it works, right? It gr does groom you from a young age into like desiring that, right? So the younger you get someone hooked on something, the harder it is for them to quit. And it's a way of guaranteeing a customer for life. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing these porn addicts on Reddit saying, I've got 12 terabytes of porn and I've been addicted since 11. It also doesn't help the fact that the American Psychological Association doesn't see porn addiction as a real thing. Um, but then you have to remember that psychology has forever been biased in favour of men to the detriment of women. Even though men yeah. in their 20s are presenting with erectile dysfunction and they are listing all sorts of problems with uh, due to porn consumption. So, for example, seeing women as objects and just like not being able to perform sexually and also the rise of increasingly violent porn that we see in BDSM, apparently it's still not an addiction. Plus, plus, don't underestimate the role of capitalism in all of this because a lot of the discussion on porn and what porn is doing to the population as a product really, really mirrors what happened with the tobacco industry, right? Same deal. They tried to get kids hooked on it. They uh, suppressed all the research that was clearly showing that causing lung cancer in people they, they got doctors endorsing there was a time where they had doctors saying like oh yeah smoke cigarettes it'll cure your lung cancer that kind of shit right so just because there are sex therapists nowadays saying porn is wonderful and great and healthy doesn't mean that they're right like they could just be captured they did the same thing with sugar uh sugar was actually pointed as the culprit in rising obesity rates as well as diabetes the sugar industry suppressed all the research on that and uh to promote the idea that it was fat that was making people fat and not actually increase sugar in, in products. So don't underestimate the role of capitalism in suppressing any type of research that would show the harmful effects of porn, which we're now kind of all looking around and being like, it's so clearly obvious, right? Especially porn use among children, but even adults, as we've frequently talked about here and also the effects of the porn industry on the performers themselves. And so there's a vested interest both from the industry, but also uh, 
factors behind the scenes of them, again, once again, sponsoring all these diploma mill sex posy schools where they have all this quote unquote research that shows that porn is good. Porn is enhancing relationships. Yeah. Self-reported studies from Coomers being like, I love porn. Porn is great. It's definitely not negatively impacted my relationships at all. I want to hear from the partners of those dudes. Some of it has to do with the way that they actually design the discussion to come out with the outcomes that they want. Meanwhile, a lot of the porn researchers, people like Gail Dines, a couple of uh, months ago, we did the Culture Reframe conference that was full of educators and researchers who could clearly see links between porn use, especially in adolescence, and later sexual dysfunction, as well as uh, all sorts of uh, horrible attitudes towards women, as well as women internalizing the messages from porn and having horrible attitudes towards themselves. So the research is out there, but I cannot tell you how many times where you look at mainstream media and they pretend like it's not there, that, oh, it's only just the religious right that's being critical of porn, or there's no evidence that porn causes harm, and that's just not true. And the eye-opener for me, especially talking with Dr. Dines, is just how much research actually is out there that the mainstream media refuses to cover, Yeah, right? That the mainstream media is deliberately ignoring, acting like it's an ideological bent, while they still push the ideological idea that porn is going to the industry is going to turn around and we're going to all participate in ethical porn <laughs> and that's going to solve all the racism and sexism girl do you want to go off on that savannah go ahead go off go off go ahead because i have i have a minute for that on the concept of ethical porn and like i just feel like they're fully delusional but go ahead savannah uh. Then I'll jump in. Ethical porn, where to even start? So I got this argument as well about how there's loads of ethical porn. And I've seen this argument, you know, trotted around um, by both sex by both sex workers and coomers who seem to believe that when a coomer wants to jack off, they will search for a video, they will find... They'll search feminist porn. They'll search feminist <laughs> porn and they'll do deep research to make sure that both actresses really wanted to be in the video. Bull fucking shit. We all know that when a guy wants to watch porn, he fires up Pornhub and cannot give their slightest shit if she consented or not. And also ethical porn. Like, how can... The porn industry can never be ethical because, like, that like most women don't grow up wanting to fuck men they're not attracted to for money. I'd say the vast majority don't. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. unlike a field like engineering or or nursing or or being a doctor, even though they do have like female shoulders, but anyway, um, like most women don't aspire to do that. So how do they feel, like how do they meet the demand unless they resort to exploitation, unless they resort to deception to get women in there? This is why there can there can't ever be yeah. such a thing as ethical pornography. It's not like you can have, uh, for example, like the sustainable clothing industry. You know that's a viable industry because there are people who actually want to make clothes from scratch, who like sewing, who like um, dressmaking, right? But in the porn industry, there is not there are not enough women who want to fuck men who look like Ron Jeremy, right? <laughs> you know, for money, there's just not enough women who are willing to do that. And also, like, quote-unquote ethical porn, it's just not profitable, right? Like, most men who watch porn, they want to see the extreme stuff. They want to see women being fucking sexually tortured, okay? The racism, the misogyny. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, the, the fucked up thing to me is, like, they always talk about this, like, fantasy world as if, like, coomers <laughs> only masturbate to videos of, like, men and women, a, a husband and wife passionately making love in the missionary position kind of thing. Um, no, like, most of the time, like... First of all, I used to watch porn, so I know what fucking shit is out there, okay? So when you defend the porn industry, you're defending all porn, including the racist stuff, including the incest stuff, including the trafficking and, and, and everything like that. Like, quote-unquote mm -hmm. ethical porn is what, like, maybe 1% of the entire porn industry, and that's not the kind of porn not that's even that. Not even that. Not even that. Yeah, most of it is unethical. If When you support the porn industry, you're also supporting the unethical shit. And the porn industry thrives, like Lila said, on pushing boundaries. I, I remember when I used to, to peruse it myself, there'd be a video of a woman who wasn't showing her face. And obviously, I guess for security reasons or to not get doxxed or whatever, the comments would be full of men saying, oh, can you show your face? Can you show your face? I'm like, what is it about pushing boundaries? But then I realized that that is what the porn industry is all about, is about pushing women's boundaries. This woman clearly didn't want to show her face, even though she was showing every other part of her body. But that still wasn't enough for men. They just had to keep pushing. I wish I could find the study. And if I can, I'll link it in the show notes. But there was this sex positive porn researcher um, who was complaining that 
that people of color get paid less in the porn industry and they're often uh, asked to do more degrading acts. And they talked about the average price that a black sex worker or a trans sex worker can demand versus a white female and then just made it seem like it was an ethical disparity of our time and that uh, we had to support black trans sex workers <laughs> and black performers. And I'm like, how? once again, the racism is built into the issue. What exactly are you proposing? Right? Are you supposed to put a white female performer and she's in the middle of a blowjob and then someone comes through and like slaps a dick out of her mouth and puts a black trans woman there? Like, does that even make sense? Like, are you trying to police... <laughs> How can you realistically police what men masturbate the kinds to? of things that what men masturbate to? Right. They're trying to act like this is some kind of normal product by which you can just like adjust your consumer taste. But that's just not how this works. Like the racism, the sexism, the discrimination is built into the model. Also, I just want to point out that every time like a woman is gang raped in India, her name is always at the top of oh porn sites. Oh my god! Right? Like they always want to see the videos no. of women actually yeah. being raped. Oh my god! I'm, de- I'm yeah. dead serious. You can Google this. Um, like there was a woman who was like, I think she was like gang raped and then like burned to death, and a bunch of dudes were jerking off to the video of her being killed. I'm not even kidding. Like the things that male sexual depravity knows no bounds. Okay. So this idea, and the other thing is like, in terms of the racism, men will actually like specifically search for videos of like, you know, white slave master whipping black woman or like, you know, police officer raping black woman, that kind of shit. Like they will specifically, and they'll use more degrading language than black women, but I don't want to say that out loud. So anyone who who says the porn industry isn't racist i challenge them double dare them to find me a video of a of a woman of color in a porn video that is not racist find me a title of a video of of such a video that is not racist that is not racist that doesn't have a racial slur in it (laughs) they straight up categorize women by race I mean, it's right on the front. <laughs> ebony. Spicy Latina, submissive Asian, ebony, whatever. It's absurd. It's actually absurd. And any woman of colour who has dated men will tell you that this fetishization then seeps into women who are outside the porn industry. Um, they are also fetishized as well. In, and it's absolutely disgusting. Um, yeah, no, for men, the depravity, the oppression, the brutality of it is a feature not a bug they remain delusional about that and that actually is my biggest frustration with liberal yeah liberal feminists is because whenever they talk about the sex industry they keep talking about it like oh it's gonna be just like therapy or it's gonna just be like any other job and like then you don't understand the product that they're selling the product that they're selling is the degradation the product that they're selling is the abuse porn has been legal for i don't know how long but like for a long time now and the porn industry and the porn actresses haven't magically become respected members of society, right? They seem to be delusional about the product that sex work is. It is how I look at it. Honestly, I think it's just like sex work, especially like quote unquote, full service sex work, AKA prostitution is just people of means molesting the poor and then buying their silence. Like the entire yeah. industry is based on exploitation of the working class. First of all, Secondly, it's also based on uh, the concept that they're paying women to do things that other women would not do for them willingly, right? That's the point. Yeah. They're trying to buy consent rather than consent given to them willingly and freely. And the people that are incentivized to to, uh, let their consent be bought are people who don't have money, right? So it is straight up a hostile attack on the working class. And I talked about this a little bit on female political strategy, but a lot of times why people don't understand why like conservative women just wholeheartedly reject a lot of liberal feminist values is because overwhelmingly conservative women tend to be working class and you're not going to convince them that sexual exploitation via prostitution or sleeping around is empowering for them. They're not stupid. And I wish they would stop trying to push this narrative because it does come across like you're just like attacking. You're basically saying, okay, I'm sorry you couldn't cut into this economy and you're a working class or poor woman, but uh, have you considered sucking multiple dicks, right, for money? Yeah, no, it's completely (laughs) a hostile form of feminism. And so I just need people to understand that because – or I'm yelling at liberal feminists to like really understand that and really conceptualize why you're not getting support you think you should get from the quote unquote conservative women or the conservative feminists because they're straight up repulsed by this aspect of the culture that you keep pushing. 
because it's going to be them and their daughters that are going to be the victims of this as working class people. I'm so angry. Like my blood is boiling right now. I'm so pissed off. Yeah. So I want to pivot to kind of a slightly more optimistic discussion, which is what can we actually do to help uh, regulate porn so that children don't have access to it and that we could cut off some of this cut off some of the more abusive aspects of the porn industry. We wrote a handy dandy Twitter thread uh, as well as an Instagram post on uh, reg- suggested regulations for porn. So I linked this, I'll link this in our, um, in our show notes. I mean, I think it should be banned altogether. I think porn should be illegal, but I think that's going to be a lot harder because yeah. of the whole free speech coalition and kind of shit. So we have to find a way of like, trying to work with the existing laws the best we can, even though the existing laws kind of fucking suck. But yeah, let's see. What what are some things we can do? My two cents is I think the protection of free speech is so important that I'm nece- not necessarily open to the banning of porn, but that's my personal opinion. We'll discuss it more on female political strategy. Shameless plug. No, I'm, pro- I'm pro-authoritarian on this. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm cool with authoritarianism <laughs> on this. Po- we Send the coomers to gulags, ban porn. That's my political policy. Uh, vote Lilith 2022. But I also think that... Um, producers of porn and the models and actresses and those on OnlyFans as well also need to be held more accountable. This whole, they're all victims, um, is not, is just not true. And it allows them to ride both horses of being the victim when it suits them, i.e. when they need to be held accountable and be the empowered women when they're telling everyone to fuck off and let them create their porn that everybody else has to, has to look at. Like, I am personally so sad about how Instagram has gone because I've been on Instagram for years now and I used to follow it just for, like, the fashion inspo and just just for workout stuff like that. It's slowly become a soft porn site. Like, yesterday I was browsing and it's like, why am I seeing a woman's nipples on my timeline? Like, why and how am I seeing her nipples? Why? Instagram is not for porn and they get so, like, sex workers get so angry when sites either restrict their content or ban them. It's like, well, yeah, it's not a porn site. That's not what it was for. Uh, So here's our suggestions for common sense porn regulations. Number one, raising the minimum age to appear in porn videos to 21. No more gross ass pedophile teen category. Yeah, I agree. So... This is a way to protect our citizens or the citizens of countries that are manufacturing porn. I'm preempting the argument that I heard from Coomers like, well, other countries, their limit's still going to be 18. So how is this going to change anything? And I'm like, well, no, it's about every single government protecting their consumers as well as their actresses. The the point is to is to protect American citizens, Canadian citizens, UK citizens from being exploited by the porn industry. Now, if they're over 21, I don't know if the over 21 thing will stop men from like pressuring women who look really really young for their age to pretending to be teens but i don't like the idea that you can literally be in high school and being recruited by the porn industry which has happened to several actresses who have come out and talked about this like that they started porn like their senior year of high school etc it's a vice it's an it's an entertainment medium it's not curing cancer this is not the same as being a soldier i hate that argument too this is an optional entertainment industry that exists solely for men's coomerism yeah it's wild to me that in the states you have to be you can be 18 and be in porn which could ruin your life but you can't have a beer right like you have to be 21 to drink that's weird to me there's a long history about that but essentially to to help cut down on drunk driving yeah and drunk driving accidents so most vice laws put the age of uh, full adulthood at 21 because of the fact that i think people figured out yeah their brains are still developing under 21 so they're not yet able to like them consuming these products at that age is actually uh extremely detrimental for the public health both for the consumers and for the people who produce the product so the other reason why i would support this law is because it would also uh or it would curb some of the grooming that's been going on um you know women who get an OnlyFans on their 18th birthday it's not like she got the idea on her 18th birthday right most likely she'd been seeing you know tiktoks or you know whatever uh in fact, I see this all the time on TikTok. Um, you know, if there's a sex worker, OnlyFans girly talking about how much money she makes, there's all these comments that are like, saving it for when I'm, when I turn 18. And these girls are like 12, 13, 14 years old. If you delay it a little bit longer so that they can't have the, the account until they're 21, it'll maybe either give them more time to think about it. Um, or it'll like make it harder to groom teens into porn, basically. 
disincentivize the literal teen categories that they have yeah. on porn sites. Like That's like pedo shit, yeah. Because they'll have to know anybody who's an American actress has to be 21. Like, just ruin that fantasy for them completely. It's gross. And not just that. Here, here's the other thing is it, there needs to be a law such that all participants in like if if it's porn that's being shown on a website consumed in the, in the US um and there needs to be a law saying that all participants need to be 21 or older there has to be age verification even if it's made in another country our next one is all porn sites must be behind a paywall which can only be unlocked for the valid credit card doesn't matter if they charge a dollar make it legally required to pay no more accidentally like letting kids view porn with a click of a button yeah which when i was younger porn had to be covered in like some kind of plastic film so you couldn't tell it was porn so it's basically doing the same thing for the digital age where the porn has to be behind the counter right the behind the counter in the digital age is behind a paywall i mean before came and say oh but privacy i don't want people to know i watch porn well if you're ashamed of people if you're if you're ashamed of people then maybe you shouldn't fucking maybe you shouldn't fucking watch it then yeah, I mean, back in the day, there a lot of guys would. My dad was telling me how, like, back in my day when we had magazines, uh, you know, you would keep your eyes. If you live, if you're in a small town, especially, you'd have to like keep your head down and hope nobody saw you, you know, buying the really fucked up porn because people would judge you for it. And I'm like, good, you should be judged for it. And there's so many intermediate payment companies now, you know, between PayPal. I know PayPal actually completely pulled out of the porn industry altogether because of them having concerns about the amount of trafficking that was going on. But there's so many of these intermediate and pay companies that you could, you know, you could put it on your bank account, but it'll go through like one of the like Moneris or something like that. I don't know. Snoop, yeah, Snoom payments, et cetera. So this is just a non-concern that they're using to just once again thwart the idea i'm a big fan as well of shame i think shame stops us from being from doing stupid shit so i don't care if people feel ashamed that their credit card company is going to find out they watch porn because maybe that means you just shouldn't watch it regulation number three change the domain for pornographic websites from dot com to dot xxx easier for parents and internet providers to block agreed so making specific domains for pornographic sites in the same way we have things like .gov or .org for different organizations that are part of the government, et cetera, make a specific domain for pornographic websites so that they can be unilaterally blocked by parents and uh, porn providers. Now, once again, things like VPN, et cetera, there are always ways around it, but the the point is to make the accessing of porn more difficult and make it easier for parents to regulate porn use. Because as is, especially, you know, even me as a kid having parents that obviously didn't want me to watch porn um, and were concerned about it, it was so easy for me to get around it. Yeah. Right? Like, it shouldn't be that easy for a child to do that. Yeah, it would make it easier for schools and workplaces and so on to ban it too. You'd be surprised how many dudes masturbate at work. Like, I fired a guy actually for masturbating in the bathroom at work. Um, just want to say that. But yeah. Like, he would, d- he would take like 20 to 30 minute, like, paid breaks, which he wasn't supposed to be doing, and would jerk off in the bathroom. Yeah. Number four, hold porn streaming platforms accountable for their content. If someone uploads trafficking, the site can be legally sued by the person in the video or anyone else who watches it. They can afford it, and it will force them to be more stringent about amateur porn and validating consent. So this is kind of sort of what happened once uh, Nick Kristoff did his piece in the New York Times about the fact that there were so many girls who were having their porn involuntarily uploaded to those porn sites, um, either because of revenge porn or uh, there's, I don't want to, most of them like don't want to sleep, want to be publicly identified, but a lot of them were uh, raped or, or sexually abused in some way. And that being uploaded to sites being downloaded by millions of people when they were underage and there was nothing they could do about it. So in response to this article, credit card companies pulled their support of porn sites and then Pornhub was forced to go in and scrub amateur videos and a lot of the other things that were like outright rape or rape adjacent. Yeah. Both in the headlines and the description. So I think that publishing laws should be more stringent on porn publishers, right? Because, or like platform laws too. Like, there's a lot of um, 
discussion about when does a platform become a publisher, right? This is a, an ongoing discussion between Facebook and Twitter and Reddit, et cetera, and Congress, where it's like, if you start censoring some things or you choose to censor others, when do you go from being a platform to being a publisher? And what is the limits of the Section 230, which prevents, which prevents platformers in the United States from being held accountable for the content that's on their site? Increasingly, there seems to be a political will and desire to start to uh, hold these platforms accountable for being for publishing laws publishers. Yeah. I like that because the fact, and it's both, and a lot of it's coming in from right-wing media too, because they've been censored sometimes rightfully so over and stuff. That's crazy. But the problem is, is like that then becomes uh, a publishing decision as to which kinds of opinions you're allowing versus otherwise, which means that you're no longer a neutral platform. And maybe it was always like delusional to think that these platforms were going to be able to remain like completely out of any type of editorial curating for as long as they did because of the fact that honestly men are the worst and any <laughs> type of platform that exists they're going to put some of the most craziest abusive violence they're going to put nazi shit on it that has to be removed yeah yeah nazi shit yeah absolutely disgusting remember jailbait porn on reddit like the like the fake jailbait stuff that was just straight up upskirt oh. shots of like 14 year olds 15 year olds that that Reddit actually invited, by the way, the the head mod of that site to one of their like Reddit uh, like Reddit events. Yeah. yeah. So Reddit, like from the beginning, has been in, under the guise of free speech, platforming predators and platforming people that are sexually depraved. So they've now they're trying to go public now. So they're trying to quote unquote clean some of that stuff up, but um, not very well. While we're on the topic of like the free speech thing, I do want to say that like even when there is free speech, certain types of speech are regulated. Like for example, uh, you know, yeah, consumer yeah. protection laws, right? Like a, a company can't just make a bunch of false claims about their product and be like, Oh, but it's free speech. Right. Because they're lying. That's fraud. Right. So certain types or, or the other one is yeah. Literal fraud. Like you can't just like lie to someone to get money and like, just take their money and run. You know, you can't make a bunch of promises like that and, and commit fraud like that. Um, so yeah, certain types of speech is actually regulated if it's seen as like harmful to the general public and porn definitely fucking fits into that category of being harmful to the general public. So I'm totally on board with regulating porn in certain, certain types of way. I think banning is where it gets a little bit sticky with our first amendment rights. But, um, number five, uh, porn producers get a mandatory tax on earnings to help fight human trafficking, just like tobacco gets taxed to make the anti-smoking ads. So in the United States, as part of the uh, United, I don't know if this is where you guys, what you guys do, but uh, we have like they have like vice taxes on certain types of products that are known to be harmful to public health. They mandate that a percentage of their actual earnings go towards uh, <laughs> disincentivizing people from yes. using their products. So they're like, literally, the tobacco industry can't advertise on television. They're banned from advertising on television. And in addition to that, they have to uh, fund those like truth ads. I don't know if you guys have ever seen them. Maybe not. But they're like, they're literally publicly, they're usually funded by um, partially by public funds, but also by the tobacco industry, where they talk about how tobacco is killing people. Good. So yeah, no, I, I fully support so that porn should be taxed more heavily. And they should do advertisements to be like, don't watch porn. Yeah. Good. Agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's our five uh, point plan about like very reasonable, fairly easy things to do that would massively, massively change the ability for kids to access porn as well as the public <laughs> and adults and the culture and the ability, uh, the culture around porn as it is. Yes. And we're not saying that if we implement these, absolutely no child will access porn. We know that people will slip through the cracks, but as it is now, the porn industry is making no effort to safeguard children. And that's, and that's deeply problematic. I would put number six, major media platforms that are considering themselves platforms. If they have people under the age of 18 that are users can't also host porn. I agree. That means hold Twitter accountable, hold Reddit accountable, meaning either make your platform 18 and up or 21 and up as it were, or keep your platform available for everyone who is uh, 13 and up or 14 up, whatever it is now, but ban porn from your site. You can't have yeah. both because it's way, way, way too easy for children to access porn as it is. So um, I think we're going to update our update our um, five regulations and make it six and then put that on a carousel on our Instagram so people can see it. Please share and share it around once we post it because I think that 
everyone acting as if like it's impossible to regulate porn is just fully delusional. There's just so many really simple things the government can be doing. Hopefully there'll be some kind of political will to get this done to protect kids of future generations so they don't have the kinds of exposure and grooming that we unfortunately had. Yeah. Can I just say one last thing about the uh, Twitter thing? Go for it. Yeah, a lot of um, porn performers, they they tend to go like, at the idea of them not being able to advertise their services on platforms that include children. Um, And I just want to tell them to go fuck themselves and stop grooming kids. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, groomer. They're doing it on purpose. Like they know what they're doing. They, or they just don't care. Right. And so I don't care if it makes porn stars sad or if it makes it harder for them to get an income or if it makes it harder for them to advertise their services. Um, they're not allowed to advertise their, I should, I don't think that they should be allowed to post adult content on websites that children use. But this shouldn't even be controversial. It's like, just imagine if they said, oh, you know, let's run an ad for Pornhub or Nickelodeon. They'd be told to fuck off. So, like, (laughs) this shouldn't be controversial. And who is your target audience here? If you're saying that porn isn't for children, then you should be perfectly fine with the idea of only advertising on sites that are 18 plus, unless you you want to appeal to children, right? And Twitter's currently being sued for uh, aiding and abetting trafficking on their site. There actually is an active lawsuit about this from women who were trafficked. Which one? Women and men who were trafficked as when they were underage are actually in a class action lawsuit against Twitter right now. So we'll see how that ends up. I hope they win. Yeah. As a, if there's the political will. And sadly, sadly, there only seems to be political will coming from conservatives right now, which is really, it's again, once again, disappointing because <laughs> it's becoming one of those things where I really wish there would be more bipartisan support on this. I'm looking at the leftists on this one. There was bipartisan support on drug reform. There needs to be bipartisan support on porn reform roll up our sleeves let's get down and dirty because let's be real like men in the patriarchy they're not going to do this work it's up up to us women and us and fucking rad femmes as usual to be like atlas holding up the sky (laughs) holding up society um yeah so let's roll up our sleeves lady and let's get these laws passed okay so that's our show Please check out our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com as well as our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy for bonus content, merchandise, chit chat about this episode with us on Discord. Also follow us on Twitter for all the drama, (laughs) (laughs) all the drama between us and sex or Twitter uh, at femdatstrat or our individual Twitter accounts, which you can also find in the link at femdatstrat. So at row underscore FDS, et cetera, et cetera. So Thanks for listening, queens, and for all you disgusting coomers out there. You don't have a constitutional right to orgasm to trafficked, abused women or to anything racist. So we're coming for your fat material, die mad. See you next week. (laughs) 